Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Library Scoop. This is the second episode in our October Grief series. This week, we continue talking about the dinner party with Christina Marfus. Christina has participated in the dinner party both as a participant and as a host. She'll tell us what both experiences are like and gives us some recommendations on media to check out if you or a loved one are dealing with grief. Next week, we will do a dual language episode talking with youth librarian Rosie Camargo about Dia de los Muertos and what programs the library is holding to honor the holiday. Enjoy the episode and we will see you next week. Um, so let's just get started. Um, so how did you come to discover the dinner party? So I was thinking about this and I actually don't remember. <laughs> um, I feel like I must have seen it on Instagram. Hmm. I am wondering, there's an account, the handle is at cooking through grief. Uh, her name is Katie and she started that account after her dad passed away. Uh, to talk about like things that she used to cook with him and how cooking kind of brought her family together. I feel like you're probably familiar with her mm-hmm. account. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Account. <laughs> um, but I followed her for a long time and I know she's a member of the dinner party. So I am wondering if I maybe saw something that she posted about it, but I honestly don't remember. It had to have been social media somewhere. So you went through first as a member at my table and then as a host. Uh, So can you tell me what the difference between those two experiences are like for somebody who might be interested in joining? For me, I was a member of your table for, Mm -hmm. I I mean, several years before I decided to become a host. So um, definitely I had already experienced what it was like to be a part of that kind of a community before I decided to start hosting. And for me, a little bit of um, my decision to become a host was that I was further in my grief journey than a lot of people who are joining the dinner party for the first time. And I especially experienced that as a host was that for me, it had been over five years since my brother died. And a lot of the people who joined my party, it was just like so new and fresh for them. And so, uh, as you know, I mean, grief is not something that ever goes away, but it, it really changes over time as you experience it and you live in it. And so, Um, I felt like as a host, I was in, in such a different place with my grief where it was not nearly as raw and it was much more sort of an established part of my life by that point. And that was definitely a really big difference from when I joined as a member of your table. And it was pretty new at that point. For sure. And you started hosting after they went virtual, correct? Yes. So what is that like doing it virtually versus doing something in person? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> those were, <laughs> those are really different. There are pros and cons to both for sure. I feel like in person, it's easier in some ways and harder in some ways to open up and be vulnerable because these are still strangers. Um, and when you're in the room together, the, the community building feeling of it is so palpable that I feel like that makes it easier to open up, but it's also harder because you're in person with all these strangers and like crying around people you don't know is really weird. So when it's virtual, you, you get the benefit of having that, like the, the computer screen between you and the other people. And it creates a little bit of a barrier that I think maybe makes it easier in some ways to be open. But I also imagine that's different for different people. Yeah. I know when we did it 
in person. Yeah, it is, especially because as the host who is inviting everyone into my space, <laughs> it was like extra vulnerable because I'm like, oh, I want my house to look good for all these strangers. And also like, do I have enough Kleenex? Did I make the right food? Like that's all stuff you have to think about versus virtually where, you know, you can have your tea, you can have your, you know, a, you know, whatever space you want to create for yourself, you can make that, which I think true. is definitely beneficial. Um, but yeah, I can also see the other side of like, it's nice to have people in your immediate area who are very, um, you know, in, on the journey with you versus where you might have some great connections virtually, but if you're not seeing each other or talking to each other very often, it, you know, it might be difficult. Yeah. One moment that that reminded me of was, you know, it was, we had like an actual dinner party and so it was a potluck and everyone brought food. And so we all were sitting there with our plates of food in a circle and sharing these like really heavy personal stories. And I remember like sitting there with my plate of tacos and being like, I can't just take a bite of a taco right now. <laughs> Someone is like the most horrific experience they've had in their life. Like I can't just eat a taco while that's happening. <laughs> Um, for someone who might be nervous about joining a table, um, what words of encouragement or advice would you give to them? I was so nervous <laughs> before we met for the first time. I almost didn't go. Yeah. Um, and I think we've talked about this with our group, like all of us considered bailing at the last minute. And I remember being in my lift on the way there being like, I, I was so nervous. I was like sweating. Um, because yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of a weird thing to go into. You don't know what to expect. You don't know these strangers you're going into it intentionally to share something that is just like so personal and raw and defining and something that you don't often get a chance to share with people in quote unquote, regular life. That's kind of the, uh, the space that the dinner party fills that we we've created in Western society. We are so strange about death that we've stigmatized it to the point that it's awkward and it's uncomfortable to talk about, but at the same time, it's such a universal experience that everyone, I mean, everyone is going to go through grief at some point in their life. And so this experience that is so universal, we've also turned into something that's isolating and that's, a little bit insane when you think about it. It doesn't really make any sense. Um, and so that's what I would say to anyone who's nervous about going is that this is the place where you'll find that community and where you can talk about this thing that, that you have to talk about. I know for me, I don't think I realized until I started to talk about it, how much I needed to. Mm -hmm. um, man, you have to talk about it. And yeah. And this is such a great place to do it because you'll only find support. Everyone there knows exactly what it's like. Yeah. It, uh, I think that's also kind of why when I hosted for the first time, I think that's sort of why I did it is because I was so nervous that I'm like, if I host, I can't back out. Like people are coming to my apartment. I have to be, I have to be here and ready to do it. So I think that was part of it for me was like, I can't back out. They're coming to me. I don't even have to leave my apartment. Like uh, it's, you know, I don't have an excuse. So I think that that was definitely part of it um, for me. Yeah. I think kind of like you said, it's just, it's important to, to talk about it. It's such a universal experience. Like it's, it's good to have that space. Why do you think building a community around something like grief is so important? And we kind of touched on that, but a lot of people I think will find it strange that 
um, you know, we're forming community around something that's so hard to talk about. And so, you know, sad or, you know, quote unquote, a bummer. Like, why do you think this topic in particular is so important to build community around? Well, I mean, you're not wrong. That sure is a bummer. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but it's also inevitable. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and, and life is full of bummers. And <laughs> True. <laughs> what kind of existence do you have if you don't have people that you can share everything about your life with, including the bummers, maybe even especially the bummers. Mm-hmm. Um, but death and grief in particular, yeah, like you said, I've touched on this already. Um, it just, it's something that we, we just don't talk about it. People get uncomfortable. They get awkward. They, they feel like it's not appropriate. Um, you know, even as, as someone who has gone through a major loss, I, I have friends and other people in my life who have not been through a major loss like that. And they feel like it would be inappropriate to bring it up because, you know, I, I don't know, they don't want to make me sad or whatever their reason. When the reality is that when you've been through such a major and life-defining loss like that, you're thinking about it 100% of the time. Like it's never not in your brain and you want to talk about it. Um, because that's a person who was a big part of your life, who, all you have left is their memories. And I, I mean, I want to talk about my brother all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I wish more people would ask. Um, I think that's the importance of creating a community around something like grief is starting conversations and normalizing, talking about it and talking mm-hmm. about people who we've lost because it's so healing and it's so important to do that. And it's not, a normal part of life for, for most people. When people are in their twenties, they might not know how to react or in that general age group, which is twenties to forties, like early forties for the, uh, the dinner party, Mm -hmm. uh, people in your own social circle, you already have may not know how to respond to somebody who's going through that type of a loss. Um, when it's something that no one else in the friend group has gone through, or maybe one other person has gone through, um, I guess, what are some things that the dinner party has helped you um, bridge that gap with where you might, your friends you already had who maybe don't know how to react? Yeah, I think, so that's one of the things that the dinner party really tries to address is that um, there's this age group that you mentioned, roughly 20s to 40s, that is kind of, I don't want to say, we're a little bit left out when it comes to resources for grief, when, you know, younger kids, I guess it's not a totally universal experience, but when you're young, you, you might lose grandparents or have friends that do. And that's a a pretty normal part of life that I, I think everyone kind of goes through. They at least know somebody who is, is losing older relatives around that age. And then obviously, you know, as you get older, when you're, you know, fifties and, and older, more people around you are, are dying because of age and illness and whatever else. But, um, yeah, in, in your twenties and thirties, there's not, <laughs> this isn't a perfect term for it, but I've heard it referred to as out of order loss mm. because it's, you know, it's not the order that it's supposed to go in. 
um, you know, in a perfect world, you, you have a, a happy childhood and then like maybe you lose a grandparent and then get a little older and maybe lose another grandparent and be like a, a full fledged adult in your fifties or sixties before you're confronting losing a parent or aunts or uncles or anything like that. And much, much older before you're losing people like siblings or children, God forbid, or mm-hmm. anything like that. But I, you know, we don't live in that perfect world and loss can happen at any age. And so, um, I think because it's less common for people our age, one of the biggest challenges is that the people that you're closest to who are your friends and your peers don't know how to approach it. They don't have any experience with that kind of a loss. Um, and they, they don't know how to act or what to say. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that the dinner party really provides is a community of people who do have that experience and do know how to act and do know what to say, because the best way to learn those do's and don'ts is to have been through a a massive loss yourself. Do you have anything, it doesn't necessarily have to be grief related, um, but do you have any books or TV shows or movies that particularly helped you when you were grieving or even just, you know, when you want to take some time to remember your brother or, you know, to, to reflect on your grief and everything like that. Yeah, I have a whole list. (laughs) Excellent. Lay it on me. (laughs) Um, So uh, the first one is a a podcast. It's called Terrible Thanks for Asking. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Um, It's really well known in, shall we say, the grief universe. (laughs) (laughs) The grief extended Uh, universe like Marvel. (laughs) (laughs) The uh, grieving people cinematic universe. Um, but it, it's a podcast about grief, essentially. Um, that's one that was recommended to me really soon after Jeff died that, um, was one of the first places that I found, you know, aside from the dinner party, one of the first places where I found people who had had a loss like that, who were like me, because like you said, like there's a lot of resources for children and there's a lot of resources for older people, because those are the people who, are sort of expected to experience loss and we're we're kind of in that that middle zone where there's not a lot that's created just for us and we're not um not expected to go through that kind of loss for whatever reason um and w- right after it happened when i was looking for books about you know like people my age who had lost a sibling there was very little it was mm-hmm. like people who lost grandparents, people who lost parents, people who lost partners, um, sibling loss in particular, I felt like was really underrepresented. And especially for somebody my age, anything that was related to sibling loss was people who were a lot older than me. Mm -hmm. So, um, anyway, that's a really (laughs) long rambling explanation (laughs) for that podcast. Um, it's a good one. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's really good. Another podcast that I've been listening to lately is called last day. Mm. And uh, the premise for it is that each episode is about a specific person's last day alive. Mm. And uh, each season is built around a theme of like a a public health concept. Mm. So the first season is about the opioid epidemic. Mm -hmm. And the host actually lost her brother to an overdose. Mm. Um, And so she, the podcast itself isn't about grief, but obviously it's, you know, it's made by somebody who is, is using this podcast as kind of a a way to process her own grief. Mm -hmm. She talks to a lot of people who are family members of 
you know, people who have passed away from overdoses. And so she interviews a lot of people who are close friends or family members of people who have, have died for reasons related to uh, opioids. And um, yeah, she's just, she's, she's so empathetic in how she approaches those because she always is coming from her own experience as someone who's, who's had that close loss in her own life. Yeah. Um, the first one you mentioned, the terrible thanks for asking, Nora McInerney is the host of that. And she's written several books about grief that I found very helpful. Um, she, I believe her husband who passed um, also died of glioblastoma, which is what my, my father died of. And um, so, you know, just reading even that experience was like, oh, I know what this is. I know, you know, it was just helpful to read. And she approaches grief in a way, like, you know, it's, it's hard to explain, but it's, it's a way that is really honest without being too heartbreaking. And isn't, you know, it's funny at times and, you know, it's all these different things and she's, she's really good at it. And so, um, if, you know, I'll put, uh, in the show notes, if we have any of her books, I will definitely link them for everybody. Cause they're great. Yeah. It is hard to describe how she approaches it because it's kind of the way that everyone who's been through it approaches it. That mm-hmm. It's just, she's so, I don't know if pragmatic is the right word. Yeah. But- it just is, it just, is what it is almost, you know, <laughs> Yeah, it, it's so normalizing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's kind of what you need when you're experiencing this, because all of society treats it like it's not normal. Right. Even though it very much is, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that's what the dinner party does well. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it right. normalizes it in a very good way. <laughs> and then there was one other one, a book that I love. Yes, go for it. Um, so it's by Cheryl Strayed, who is the author of Wilds. And uh, before she wrote Wild and became a super, super famous author, she was an advice columnist who went by Dear Sugar. And so the book is called Tiny Beautiful Things. And it's uh, a collection of some of her columns that she wrote for Dear Sugar. And it's not all about grief, but um, it there are definitely, there are people who write in who are going through different kinds of losses. And some of those columns are included. And she just she's such a talented writer and she's someone who has been through a lot of difficult things in her own life. And so again, she, she comes to people with just this level of empathy and she's just, she's so nurturing and man, (laughs) that book, I, it's one that I go back to anytime I need to have a good cry because (laughs) there's nothing wrong with a good cry. cry. Oh, for sure. Would you mind sharing any a story about Jeff that you want to tell for people that you wish people would know? You know, it's, it's weird because I just passed the, was it five or six years? It was five years this year, um, the five-year anniversary. And so it's like, it's a weird time where no one really asks about him anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we always loved to do together was watch just like really crappy horror movies. (laughs) Um, and it was more about just like watching them and making fun of them than it was about actually watching them or being scared. Uh, and for Christmas every year, I would always get him a box set of just like the campiest, cheesiest horror movies I could possibly find. And he would always say that the real gift I gave him was that he got to make a move on a lot of girls because these movies <laughs> were so bad that he would invite girls over when he went to college to watch them. And he was like, we have no choice but to make out because these movies <laughs> are so terrible. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I know, yeah. Uh, that's that's not a great story. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> the actual story that I'm getting at here 
was um, one year when I was in high school, I was probably around 16 or so. Uh, it was my birthday, which is in October, uh, the height of spooky season. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, I was like 16 or 17, the, the age that you're like really excited to celebrate your birthday with your friends. You know, like you can drive, you have a little freedom, you're uh, enjoying baby adulthood. And so I was so excited for my birthday and to celebrate it with my boyfriend and my friends. And then I got strep throat. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. I had to scrap all of my birthday plans and I was just laying on the couch and I was just so sad (laughs) and so depressed about missing my birthday. And then Jeff came in the door and he had a giant frosty from Wendy's, which was all I could eat because my throat hurt so bad. And he had rented like every crappy horror movie he could find at Hollywood Video. And he spent the whole night with me and we just watched all these crappy horror movies together and I ate my giant Frosty and it just was so sweet and turned out to be a really memorable birthday and a memory I really cherish.